Last week, we talked about the great debate between Christians who believe in a young earth and those who believe in an old earth. Those who believe in a young earth believe that the earth is about 6,000 to 10,000 years old. Those who believe in an old earth believe that it's about 16 billion years old. Now, what concerns me about this debate is how nasty it's gotten. I don't know if any of you have ever read any books on this, any recent books, anyone? If you've noticed, they all attack their opponents. And what uh, those that believe in the young earth have done is they've begun to accuse their opponents of being heretics. And they've accused them of not believing in the Bible. And people, that's not true. So what I did last week was I tried to prove to you that it's possible to believe in an old earth and still believe what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1. In other words, you can believe that the earth was created in six days with man being created on the sixth day. And from Adam until now, approximately 6,000 years has passed. And also believe that the earth is approximately 16 billion years old. And I'll be honest with you, I thought I did a pretty good job. I don't think I did a great job. And one of the reasons is because I'm not a scientist. And I have a difficult time taking some of these concepts and bringing it down and putting it in layman's terms. But I thought I did a pretty good job. I also told you that it really doesn't matter which theory you buy into because from verse 3 on, the interpretation is the same regardless. And generally speaking, that's true. But I'm also oversimplifying it, and I don't want to do that. Yes, I want to speed things up. I'd like to move on. It's kind of sad, but we've spent four weeks and we've not progressed past verse 2. And so, you know, for myself, I'm really wanting to move on, but I don't want to oversimplify things. And the reason I don't want to oversimplify things is because if I do that, you might not understand how someone who believes in the Genesis Big Bang Theory can also believe in a literal interpretation of Genesis chapter 1. So, what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to give a very, very quick review of the Genesis Big Bang Theory, and then I'm going to show you how they interpret the six days of creation, how they interpret verse number three all the way down to the beginning of chapter two. The Genesis Big Bang Theory is based on Genesis chapter one and the law of relativity. Genesis chapter one, verse number one says this, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The word created is translated from the Hebrew word bara, which means to create from nothing. In other words, God created everything that we see from nothing. He literally spoke the universe or this world into existence. Now, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the universe is expanding day by day. I don't think there's anyone here that disagrees with that. Is there? Is there someone that thinks? I mean, it's okay if you believe that. It's, we could agree to disagree. But do most of you believe that the earth is expanding day by day? The earth, I'm sorry. That the universe is expanding day by day? Yeah, we, we know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And according to the standard interpretation of the redshift factor, the measurement of time expands as the universe expands and at the same rate. This is known as stretching time. And last week, I thought I used a great illustration. An illustration that I don't believe I've ever seen anyone do. I used a balloon to illustrate the stretching of time. This circle at the end of the balloon or the tip of the balloon represents a day at the beginning of time. Now, I want you to notice that as the balloon expands, the circle expands. In other words, it gets bigger. Let, let's watch that. 
Sounds pretty good in the microphone, doesn't it? But did you notice that that circle expanded? And I'm kind of out of breath and lightheaded. Did you notice that the circle expanded as the balloon got bigger and bigger? Now, what does the circle represent? Time. And in this case, one day. But can you see that as the universe expands, time expands. Time stretches. And that's what they refer to as the stretching of time. As this balloon gets bigger and bigger, this rubber begins to stretch. And then you see this circle, it begins to stretch. And that's a good illustration of the stretching of time. So, a person's view of time will differ depending upon where they're viewing time in the universe. In other words, it depends upon whether they're looking forward into time, in other words, from the beginning and looking forward into time, or they're looking backwards in time. Does that make sense? Is everyone with me so far? And we can actually calculate the difference between the view of time from where the universe began and the view of time from the Earth's view. So basically what I'm telling you is time is relative depending upon where you're viewing time in the universe. Hence the name law of relativity. Time is relative. The law of relativity. Is everyone with me? Good. Because we're going to go a little bit deeper. Can you do that? Would you stick with me? For those that go, oh, I hate this kind of stuff. I didn't want to come to science. It's going to get deeper, but I'm going to keep it very, very simple in, in, in layman's terms, all right? Now, let's go back to the balloon to illustrate time. As this balloon gets bigger and bigger, it takes longer and longer for the circle to double in size. Does that make sense? In the beginning... When I first began blowing up this balloon, it didn't take very long for the circle to double in size. Why? Because the balloon was small. But as this balloon gets bigger and bigger, it takes longer and longer for the circle to double in size each time. Does that make sense? I mean, how big am I going to have to blow up this balloon for this size of this circle to double in size now? Probably to the point where the balloon might burst. Now, the universe is not going to burst, but I'm using this balloon as an example. Does that make sense? Good. Because the same thing applies to the universe. In the beginning, when the universe was small, it didn't take long for the universe to double in size. But the bigger our universe gets, the longer it takes for it to double in size. Time, the circle, which means that each day of creation will have a different duration as you look back in time. In fact, if you're taking notes, I would write that down because that's key to understanding the Genesis Big Bang Theory. In fact, that little chart that you received, what you need to write on that is the Genesis Big Bang Theory because that's what the chart is about, the Genesis Big Bang Theory. And on that chart, I would write these words. Each day of creation will have a different duration as you look back in time. At the beginning, each day is the same length of time, 24 hours. What's the length of the first day at the beginning? 24 hours. What's the length of the second day at the beginning? 24 hours. What's the length of the third day at the beginning? 24 hours. Can you see a little pattern here? So at the beginning, each, each day is the same length of time, 24 hours. But not out here in the universe. 
Why? Because the universe is continuing to expand and getting bigger and bigger, so it's taking longer and longer to double in size, that stretching of time. Does that make sense? So let me talk about the rate of change between the days of creation. Every time that the universe doubles in size, the time relation, relationship between the days of creation is divided in half. Did I say that right? I think I did. In other words, when the universe was small in the very beginning, it was doubling in size very rapidly. But the larger it grows, the longer it takes to double. Now, to illustrate what I'm talking about, I want you to look at the table that you're holding in your hand, and I'm going to put it here. From our perspective, perspective in the universe, looking back in time. In other words, we're not looking from the beginning. We're looking here at the, at the end of this universe or at the brink of it. We're looking back in time. You see this first day? This first day here, the duration of that day covered 8 billion years. Now here's what's interesting. The duration of the second day right here is half of the first day. And what was the first day? 8 billion years. So it's half of that. So the duration of the second day is 4 billion years. Then the duration of the third day is half of the second day. Half of 4 billion years is 2 billion years. The duration of the fourth day is half of the third day, which would be 1 billion years. And half of 1 billion day years would be what? Half a billion years. And half of a billion years is a quarter billion years. Because as the universe expands, as this, as this balloon, I'll give this as an example, as I'm blowing this up, I can blow it up the very same that first day to make that circle double in size. But if I blow the very same and continue to do that up, that day is not going to make that double in the same way. The bigger it gets, does that make sense? It makes it, it's going to double in size the time relationship between the days of creation. It's going to divide it in half. Is everyone with me so far? Well, good. If you're not with me, you'll catch on pretty soon. Now, the duration of the sixth day is half of the fifth day. That's a quarter of a billion years. So if we add up the duration of each day of creation, 8 billion plus, plus 4 billion plus 2 billion plus 1 billion plus a half billion plus a quarter billion. Pastor, where are you getting those numbers? Right here. And these were calculated according to these mathematical principles and these what would you call the astronomy people? But anyways, when they, when they figure that out, when you take that, they say, this is how long it would be. And then they come in and they divide it in half, comes all the way. When you add up all of those, it equals 15 and three-quarter billion years. 15 and three-quarter billion years. Now, what's interesting is the Bible said that it was created in six days. When we apply the law of relativity, we don't come in here and try to fudge this or do this according to the Bible. But when we take the law of relativity, what science has developed, and we go back and we figure it out, we know that from the beginning, the universe is six days old from the beginning. But from our perspective, viewing time backwards... It's 15 and three-quarter billion years old. Now, where are we right now? According to the Genesis Big Bang Theory. I'm not, I'm not teaching this as true. I'm just showing you some interesting things. 
Where are we right now? Would you seventh day? We are somewhere late, late, late in the sixth day. Remember, if they were spend, sending out a beep every second from the beginning, it wouldn't reach us, uh, or those beeps wouldn't come every second. They would come a million squared seconds in between them. Remember? So what takes place is as we go back, we're in late, 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 late of the sixth day. All right, just kind of throwing that out. I think that's kind of neat. Now, it's very interesting to compare what the Bible says happened on each day of creation to the science version of creation. If you were a non-believer and you studied what science says happened in this timeline, in this sequence of events, and then you came over and you studied the Bible, something that was written about 3,800 years ago, when they didn't have all of the tools and the technical uh, equipment and they don't have all the knowledge they have now, it is amazing to look at what the Bible says happened at creation and what science says happened at creation. And I'm going to show you that and you'll have a good understanding of why those who believe in the Genesis Big Bang hold to this theory. So look at the table again on the back wall and let me explain what I mean. According to the Bible, on the very first day, God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And then it says, God divided the light from darkness. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse number 4. This is what took place on the first day. God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God divided the light from darkness, or actually it says he separated the light from darkness. Genesis 1, 4. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And a better probably uh, translation of that would be separated the light from darkness. Now, according to science, when the universe was first created at the Big Bang, it was so hot, light and darkness were mixed together in something called plasma or in what was called plasma, all right? It's kind of hard to imagine, but that's what they say. But as the universe expanded, the heat became cooler until finally the plasma cooled to the point that electrons bound around protons and atoms were formed. So basically, the light broke free from the darkness. Literally, from a science perspective, light was separated from darkness. If you were not a believer, simply believed in science, and studied out what happened immediately at the beginning at the Big Bang, when it began to cool, light separated from darkness. 3,800 years ago, Moses receives revelation from God that on the first day, light was divided from darkness, just as the Bible said. On the second day, God made the firmament. Turn to Genesis chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. And God made the firmament, firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. Say that a fast ten times. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. 
Now I want you to underline that word firmament in your Bible. The word firmament is translated from the Hebrew word rakia, which literally means expanse or spread out thinness. The good way to, to illustrate this is to take something and you just begin to beat on it and beat on it and beat on it as you're spreading it out more and more and more and you're just spreading it out. Now, if we tried to put that in today's terminology in the way that we think, we would call this space. Yeah. And God called this firmament, space, heaven. Now, did you catch that? On the second day, God made the firmament. But he called that firmament heaven. So it says that on the second day, God made the heavens. Space. We would say the Milky Way. Now, what's interesting, or let me say scientists would say the Milky Way. And what's interesting is that most scientists believe that the Milky Way was created about the same time the Bible says that God made the firmament if you're using the law of relativity. In other words, our galaxy, which the sun and our solar system is a part of, came into existence during this time period, just like the Bible says about 7 to 8 billion years ago. So what we see is, on the second day of creation, as we go back in time, seven, eight billion years ago, the Bible says that God created the heavens, the firmament. And we know that space now, and of course science tells us, the Milky Way came to existence there. Very interesting. On the third day, what happened? According to the Bible. Dry land emerges. And the earth begins to produce plant life. Turn to Genesis chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place. And let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth. And the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after its kind, and the tree yielding fruit, uh, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. Now I'm just going to throw something out at you. We're going to look more in depth at this next week, but I want you to notice something and just kind of pique your curiosity. I want you to notice that it does not say that God created the plant life. It does not say that God made the plants. It says, let the earth bring forth grass, herbs, and trees. And the earth brought forth grass, herbs, and trees. And what's interesting is that science says that plant life came into existence during this period of time. Science says that approximately 3 billion years ago on this third day, about 3 billion years, dry land appeared, plant life came, and then, I won't go into the translucent, but that's when plant life came in the earth. So if you weren't even a believer, 
and you were studying science and you were coming in and doing this, you would say, okay, and about three billion years ago, this took place. And it's amazing, 3,800 years ago, Moses receives this revelation from God and he writes it all down and we're seeing the sequence of events take place just as science said that it did, but more importantly, even in the timeline, if you take into account the law of relativity. Let's go further. On the fourth day, the sun and the moon become the main source of light for the earth. Turn to Genesis chapter 1, verses 14 through 19. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God sent them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Now what's interesting, not all scientists, but many scientists believe that the atmosphere that was surrounding the earth was translucent from the beginning. Now does everyone know what translucent means? It does not mean transparent. If you looked up the word translucent in the dictionary, this is what you would find. Translucent is defined as transmitting light but causing sufficient diffusion to prevent perception of distant images. So, when the scientists say that the atmosphere was translucent, it means that the light came through but you couldn't see where it was coming from. The sky wasn't clear, so you couldn't see any distinct stars out there or the sun or the moon or anything. It was just this light was coming through and that's all you could see. Now, what is so interesting is many scientists believe that the atmosphere was translucent in the beginning, but sometime later it became transparent. And guess where they put that sometime later at? Sometime between a billion and a billion and a half years ago, our atmosphere became transparent. And guess where that corresponds? Exactly where the Bible said it would if you take into account the law of relativity. Wow. So what this is saying is the sun and moon became clearly visible just like the Bible says. You had two great lights and the world or the earth was already in its axis spinning around. And so you had day and you had night. On the fifth day, God began to fill his creation with animate life. And he created two major class of animals. He created the marine life, fish, and birds, the fowl of the, of the air. Turn to Genesis chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good, and God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Now I want you to understand something. Land creatures were not created at this time. Mammals were not created at this time on the land. Man is not. This says, on, here we are on the fifth day, 
the first animals are created. And what are they? Sea creatures, fish, and fowl. Now, I want you to notice that it specifically states that God created these animals. They did not come forth on their own. They couldn't have. Because animate life requires a spirit. In other words, breath. Which is something only God can do. Only God can create something from nothing. Only God can supersede the laws of thermodynamics. Where matter and energy can neither be created nor destroyed. They can only be, what's the word I'm looking for? Transformed into one or the other. But they can neither be created nor destroyed. But God supersedes that. Only God can create something from nothing. Only God can bara in the Hebrew. And only God can, can create animate life. And he uses the word bara. He brings out of, of this nothings able to put in the spirit. Now, what's interesting is that science estimates that these type of creatures came into existence first. And they came into existence at this period in history. About 500 million to, two, to 750 million years ago. And these sea creatures and birds were the first to come on the scene, according to the Bible. Now, what's interesting, according to science, what were the first creatures to come into existence? Sea creatures, fowls, exactly what this says. Now, science doesn't recognize God, but it's following the same sequence and timeline of the Bible. And if you take the law of relativity into account, bam. On the sixth day, all the land animals were created, all of the mammals, and finally man, Adam and Eve. Turn to Genesis chapter 1, verses 24 through 27. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle, and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Man is given dominion. He's the pinnacle of God's creation. And God's created this earth to be inhabited, not just by these creatures, but by man who's to rule and to reign over his creation. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Now, once man is created, according to the Genesis Big Bang Theory, the Bible changes its view of time. It begins to view time from the earth's perspective. Why? Because the Bible is revelation to God, or is revel God's revelation to man. And man is where? He's upon the earth. So in the beginning, because man is not here, God, the Bible views time from the very beginning. It happened the first day. In one 24-hour period, this is exactly what God did. Now, from our perspective, from our view in the universe, it was 8 billion years ago. But not from God's. In the very beginning, according to the law of relativity, the very first day was 24 hours. 
Here, all of a sudden, we see the Big Bang. We know that now light came in and light was separated from darkness. We go to the second 24-hour period. We say that that duration was 4 billion years. It was 7 and 3 quarter billion years before Adam was ever created. The Bible says that God created the firmament, the heavens. All of a sudden, we see this Milky Way. This is what the scientists say. We go down each one of these days according to what the Bible says, and it fits the sequence and the time of events that science is saying, yet they're not recognizing this creator. Wow. Now, remember, until man was created, the Bible was viewed from the beginning of time, or, or at the beginning. So from the Bible's perspective, the world was created in six days. But from science's perspective, the world was created over 16 billion years ago. It's looking back in time. And those who believe in the Genesis Big Bang Theory don't see any conflict between believing that the earth is 16 billion years old and believing everything literally that Genesis chapter 1 says. They're just viewing time from different perspectives in the universe. Now, I know that you're probably thinking, well, Pastor Allen believes in the Genesis Big Bang Theory. Ha, huh, you don't know. I'm just telling you. I, I see where they're coming from. Now, the reason I took a step back and taught what I did tonight is because I knew that once I started teaching on the six days of creation, there would be someone that would come up to me and they would say, Pastor Allen, those who believe in the Genesis Big Bang Theory can't believe in this. Because we're not educated in that. All we know is as we begin to study the first six days of creation and someone says, well, yeah, have you heard of the Genesis Big Bang? That's not of God. They can't believe what the Bible says. And I wanted you to understand that if you came up to me and said that, I would have to tell you that's not true. As I've said all along. You can believe in the Genesis Big Bang Theory and also believe in everything that the Bible says about creation. In fact, from their perspective, the Genesis Big Bang Theory perspective, there is no conflict between science and Genesis chapter 1. And that's what I just got through taking you through. I'm just showing you what the Genesis Big Bang Theory says. If you're upset with me, that's okay. I'm just showing you what they believe. All right? Let's not get nasty. Let's not start calling people heretics. Let's not say that they don't believe in the Bible. All right? I'm just showing you what they believe. Now, next week, we're going to study the creation story from a traditional perspective, from the perspective that you were taught in Sunday school. All right? And we're going to go more in depth. I just basically went through this very quickly, but we're going to go in depth as to what happened on the first day. We're going to go in depth as to what happened on the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, and the sixth day. till we get the, to the pinnacle of God's creation, which is man. Now, what I'm going to be presenting next week is the standard interpretation of those who believe in a young earth. But... It's also the standard interpretation of those who believe in what is known as the gap theory. The only difference between the two is that the proponents of the gap theory believe that the original earth was destroyed because of rebellion. They believe, as they read through the New Testament and the Old Testament and these scriptures about Lucifer, that Lucifer was in the Garden of Eden, a different garden than the Garden of Eden that Adam and Eve were in. And that he was made by God, 
He ruled upon the earth, but he rebelled. Therefore, God brought judgment upon them, destroyed the earth. They believe there's a gap between Genesis 1 and 2. But when they start at verse number 3, they have the exact interpretation of verses 3 all the way to the end of chapter 1 as those who believe in a young earth. The only difference is they believe that God recreated the earth and that's what the story of Genesis chapter 1 is all about. Does that make sense? So basically they believe the very same thing as the proponents of the young earth but with one exception. They believe that the creation story is really a recreation story. Does that make sense? Now, those who believe in the Genesis Big Bang Theory also believe in the six days of creation the way I'm going to teach it with one exception. They apply the law of relativity. Same thing, different perspective on time, and that's what we looked at tonight. That's why I said last week, and I'll repeat again, and I'll say next week in the introduction, it doesn't really matter. Which theory you buy into because from verse 3 on, the interpretation of what happened on each day is the same regardless. The only exception is the Genesis Big Bang Theory thinks that that day has to be taken in accordance with the law of relativity. The young earth says, no, it doesn't. We're not going to look at time from different perspectives. But from day, th- or, or, uh, day one on, verse number three, we're going to interpret the same way. So if you're a young earth person, you're going to go, yeah, Pastor Allen, teach it. And if you're a Genesis Big Bang person, you're going to say, yeah, Pastor Allen showed you. And if you're a gap theory person, you're going to go, yeah, that's just the way I was taught it. Does that make sense? So, don't be mad. We're all together as we start in verse number 3 next week and begin to go on each day of what God did. But let me tell you what's so fascinating. And it really touches me. How God could put something together that by the time we come to this place where we think we are know-it-alls, And all we're really doing is studying God's creation. And we look back into what we would consider to be a primitive time. The time of Moses. And the story of creation. Don't let any liberal theologian tell you differently. They'll tell you that the the creation story in Genesis is just an adaptation of the mythology of the time. That is so far from truth. They have never actually studied what the Bible says. They're just spouting off things that their liberal professors taught them, and they're perpetuating that lie. Let me tell you, what Moses came up to was totally different 3,800 years ago from anything they had ever heard. Yes, you can go to the Egyptian theory of creation and go through that, but that has nothing to do with what Moses came up with. You can look at all of the other mythologies that were there at that time. I'm telling you, Moses got divine revelation from God that this is the way the earth was created. And he put it in such layman terms that we can understand. But now we here we are 3,800 years ago and we think we're these intelligent people and we come back and we say, you know what? Science cannot contradict it. And not only can it not contradict it, we're looking at this and saying, my gosh, that's exactly what they said happened in the exact sequence in the timeline. I'm amazed 
at God. And your kids don't have to be embarrassed when they go away to college. Will they come up against liberal professors who are atheists? Probably. But the truth of the matter is the facts are on our side, people. When you look at irreducible complexity, when you look at intelligent design, when you look at probability, there is no way that it could have happened without a divine creator. And you have to be a fool to believe that there is no God. Because all of science points to one thing. This would not be here without a divine creator. And this God has revealed to us in a way that we can understand how the earth and everything we see was created. And once we understand that, we can go in with confidence knowing that this God who's revealed himself in such a supernatural way that 3,800 years with all the science we know, we cannot refute it. He has revealed himself and he has shown us what's going to happen. And he's going to reveal to us his method of redemption. And we can have complete confidence in it.